All right, welcome to episode one of the Sports Leadership Podcast. I am your co-host, Kevin DeShazo of Fieldhouse Media and Fieldhouse Leadership, along with Mark Hodgkin. Mark, how are things going? Everything's good, Kevin. Excited to, uh, to kind of get officially episode one in the books. Been, uh, I'm sure you'd agree, uh, really uh, excited about the outpouring of, of feedback we've gotten and the, the response on social media. We're really um, just made us even more excited about doing this, I think, than uh, than we were before, and we were pretty excited. So everything is uh, everything is going well. Yeah, I, I agree. It was really fun to see all the, the the feedback and the support and the comments from from the community on social media about the intro episode. If you haven't listened to that, go check it out to realize kind of who we are, what we're doing, what this podcast is going to be about. Today, we are going to talk about this idea of self awareness, which I think is a foundational thing for leaders and really should be for anyone, whether you, you want to be a leader, are a leader or not. Most of us kind of go through life without thinking about how or why we do the things that we do. And so we run into these roadblocks or these obstacles. Some of them are, are self-inflicted, the, these frustrations, these miscommunications, drama, gossip, but also strengths and skills and things that we do really well and not understanding that, that there are actually reasons that we are good at the things that we are good at. And there are reasons that we're bad at the things that we're bad at, whether those are miscommunications or whatever it may be. And so at, at Giant, and for those who missed the first episode, I, in, in addition to running field house media, social media training and, and consulting for college athletes and coaches and administrators, I also do field house leadership, which is leadership development in the college and, and uh, overall athletic space. But our content from Fieldhouse Leadership comes from a company that I also work with called Giant Worldwide. And so I've been studying under them for the past two years. Jeremy Kubitschek and Steve Cockrum are the founders. And, and Giant does leadership with organizations, large and small, on, on a global scale. And so the way Giant is organized, we're, we're dealing with busy, task-dominated, ADD, cynical adults who just don't have time for another thing. And so to break through barriers, those obstacles, they've created visual tools that we use in our training sessions because we're visual people and, and we can easily remember once we see a visual, we remember what that means and it, and it takes us back to the moment that we first heard it and they're just easier to, to process and explain. And so one of the visuals that we use, it's this tool called Know Yourself to Lead Yourself. And if you can, if you can visualize it and we'll, we'll put uh, this, this visual up on, on a notes page for the podcast here in the future, but it's this infinity loop that's, that's on its side. And at the bottom of it, it's, it's our tendencies. On the right side, a word actions, on the top consequences, and on the left, reality. And what we've realized is that we, we tend to, to use Myers-Briggs, um, and we do a deep dive into Myers-Briggs personality uh, type indicator of what we call the best fit. Because what happens is most people take a personality test, whether it's Myers-Briggs, Enneagram, DISC, strengths finders, whatever it may be. And we take that with bias based on our current situation, based on the way we were raised, what we would call our nurture, uh, the city we were raised in, the family we were raised in, the school we went to, the leaders we've had, all those kind of play a role in, in how we answer these, these tests, these assessments. And so we take them wrong, which is why some people will say, oh, I can take Myers-Briggs and every time I get a different answer. Well, you may be in a different uh, job than you were when you took it last time. Who knows what life changes took place, but we want to make sure we get these accurate. So we go into what we call a, a deep dive and we, we've called that best fit. And when we go through that, generally about 40% of people change at least one of the letters from their initial test. 
And we can uncover why that is based on their, on their nurture, their background, but we want to find out how people are naturally wired. Why do you actually act and say and do the things that you do? But we also realize that that's not a black and white thing. So in a Myers-Briggs, I'm an ENFP, but that doesn't mean I'm a black and white ENFP. If I'm a mature leader, I know when to be an introvert. I know when to be a censor. I know when to be a thinker. I know when to be a J, what we call a judger, which sounds uh, like, like a bad description. But we, we need to know when to, to operate with what we would call our left hand or our off hand. We can all write our name with our strong hand. We can all write our name with our weak hand. We can lead the same way. And we tend to lead... Out of, our, out of our natural strengths, what we would, call, we would call our tendencies. And if you're trying to identify your tendencies, these are things that you always do. So, so if, if someone makes a comment and you always respond a certain way, or for me, great example, I'm, I'm an ENFP, which means I'm a big idea guy, a dream guy. I'm not an organized person. I'm not a scheduler. I don't like calendars. I don't like planners. So I have a tendency to not put things on my calendar. Now, going back to that infinity loop, tendencies create actions, right? So I have a tendency to, that, to the action is to not put things on my calendar. Well, my wife is an ISFJ. She is a planner. She's an organizer. She's a scheduler. She loves calendars. So we've had multiple times in, in our marriage where my tendency to not use a calendar has led to the consequence of frustration of miscommunication. Happened, in fact, two weeks ago. I was going up to, to Stillwater, Oklahoma State University, to actually do a, a best fit session with a sorority up there, and I'd forgotten to put that on my calendar. And it's the day before, and I mentioned to my wife something about being in Stillwater. She's like, yeah, you'll, you'll pick the boys up from school though, right? I was like, no, I'm going up there at, at four o'clock. So she knew I was going to be in Stillwater, but I had not communicated because it wasn't on my calendar when I was going. So the consequence of me acting out of that tendency was now there's frustration, and now my wife's like, oh gosh, I had no idea. So now there's friction in our marriage and it wasn't, a, you know, it wasn't even a fight, but there's this miscommunication that causes stress that, that created our reality. Tendencies lead to actions. Actions have consequences. Those consequences shape our reality. So the reality between my wife and I at that moment was stress. And if we know our tendencies, we, it's almost like being a detective, we can work backwards. Well, what's causing this stress? Well, we're, we're frustrated with each, with each other. Why are we frustrated? Because I, I didn't put something on a calendar. Why didn't I put that on a calendar? Because I have a tendency to not do that. And so if we can, if we can look in the mirror, we can, we can see kind of that broccoli in our teeth that everyone else has always known. We can say, oh, I didn't know that was there. I didn't know I always do that. I didn't know I always responded that way. And some of these tendencies, to be clear, are, are good. They are strengths, in fact. And so we need to lead out of those tendencies. But, but more often than not, we are reactive rather than responsive throughout our day, throughout our life, within conversations. And what I mean by that is when we're reactive, we just act out of our tendency. We don't even think somebody makes a comment and we immediately react. Something pops up in our way, we immediately react, good or bad, out of our tendencies. If we are responsive, we, we can take stock of the situation and think, okay, this is how I typically respond in this situation. Is that the right way to, to lead, to act, to speak right now? Or do I need to choose a different action? Our tendencies don't have to create our actions. We can have a choice. That's why this, this tool is called Know Yourself to Lead Yourself. And so for me, to try to, to try to lower stress between my wife and I, knowing that I'm not a planner, I try as best I can to put things on a calendar. Over the past two years, since I first learned this tool, I've put 
almost everything. There, there's obviously times when I don't, but I've gotten much better about putting things on my calendar. And so that stress, and I, and I travel a lot, um, I have a lot of meetings. And so for her to know where I am, when she needs to, to pick up the boys from school because I can't, or whatever our schedule may be, that has significantly reduced the stress in our marriage. And it's a simple thing. One of the things with, with self-awareness is not just a knowledge thing. It's not just knowing this is why I do this. It's then saying, it's, 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 it's an action. It's a response saying, okay, I know why I do this, but again, is this the right action at this time? Self-awareness is not just this concept to grasp and then using that as an excuse or a credit. Well, I'm just, I'm not a planner. Sorry. I'm not, I'm not a details guy. Well, then you undermine your influence. When, when you choose to always lead out of your tendencies, then you undermine your influence because you're not, you're not compromising with the people around you. Um, you're putting all the burden on them. And by the way, if, for those listening, if you want to do a deep dive and go through best fit, if you go to giant.courses, we have a free course that uh, goes through each, each letter of the Myers-Briggs, extrovert versus introvert, sensor versus intuitive, thinker versus feeler, judger versus perceiver to find out your best fit. Or I would be more than happy uh, to do a Skype call with you for an hour to break that down and walk through what that looks like. We also have another course that builds on that. Once you know yourself, and you know your strengths and your weaknesses, then you can, we take that a level deeper to where you know how you actually operate under stress. So you can try to avoid these times of extreme stress, regardless of what's happening around you. You can choose the way you lead, choose the way you operate, know yourself to lead yourself. It's a really powerful tool. Uh, I keep it on my desk. I have it on my, on my nightstand. It's a tool that I reference daily in my conversations, um, in, in the way that I interact and, and lead people. Because I, I don't want to undermine my influence, right? I want to be a leader that people want to follow, and that requires being intentional. There's another tool that we use, uh, this concept we talk about of, of accidental versus intentional. Most leadership is accidental, right? We hope our team understands this. We hope they get this idea. We hope they feel appreciated. I hope that my sons grow up to be a certain way, and I hope their teacher teaches them this. Instead of saying, what are the results that I want? How do I be intentional to create that? And that starts with, with yourself. You can't lead yourself accidentally and be a leader that people want to follow. You have to be intentional. Again, choosing your actions, not always leading out of your tendencies. Mark, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? This is something we've gone through in our, in our core coaching group that you mentioned on the, on the first podcast, on the first episode. But how, how has this tool kind of played out in, in your life? Yeah, you know, it's, it's so basic, but it's so crucial. Um, I mean, I think you talk about how easy it is to look out. I mean, everybody spends a lot of their time looking at external factors, looking at it, other people in their office, the roadblocks that they face, um, those kind of things. It's really sometimes a lot of wasted effort. And the, the, the ability to look inward is, is a totally different um, skill set. And it, you know, I've heard it called the first step of any self-improvement is uh, a very honest and very comprehensive look at, uh, at yourself and, and, and that awareness. So um, as we mentioned on the first podcast, I'm an ISTJ. Um, which is exactly the opposite of what Kevin is. So um, we, we have some of the um, different ways that we, we struggle with this and, and knowing ourselves to lead ourselves. But um, uh, example that came up uh, for me was, um, you know, in my last position, uh, managing a couple of people, I realized that, uh, that I wasn't communicating the way I needed to. Um, you know, you, you're as an introvert and a thinker, the I and the T in that, you know, when you say something once, you can kind of subconsciously expect it to be understood and taken to, uh, to heart by people around you. As I started thinking more about it, um, you know, it's really not the case and it's really not, um, as easy as that. And, and somebody with my tendencies and my wirings, 
um, has to go above and beyond what they think they need to do to communicate things, whether that's expectations for people you're supervising, whether that's your plan, your vision for what you want to do in your job, whether that's, you know, really anything that comes to, uh, to your personality and your career, you have to over communicate and explain that. So people really do understand what, what you're thinking and not trying to read you. And I think that's a, an easy trap to fall into, especially for people wired like me, that you think that you're portraying this clear vision or this clear expectation, but you're not. And people are trying, are guessing and they're left wondering what it is when, you know, just a little bit more of, uh, of that communication will really help you do better. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a big piece of, again, as you said, we always want to look, how do we fix other people? What is, what, what role did someone else play in this miscommunication in this situation that's causing drama instead of looking at our ourselves first all leadership starts with us we have to do that deep dive on ourselves first and know our tendencies leadership is about influence and if we continue to operate just out of our strong hand out of our tendencies where that that influence is going to be undermined every single day for me another another example of of being an ENFP i tend to not be good at details so not just planning and and calendaring but the, the details of the work. So I'm, I'm great at sharing these big ideas. And this podcast is a great example. I've talked about doing this for, for months. The detailed work of actually sitting down and being focused is not a, a strength of mine. We have a joke in our office that I have three, three productive minutes every hour. And then I want to talk to people. I want to dream and I want to have fun. But I realize that that's how I, if I always operate that way, like there's a space and time for me to dream, to think big ideas, to cast vision but I have to do the actual work and that's not the fun part. That's not the sexy part, but if I don't do that, I'm going to undermine my influence. And so what people, when we're trying to build influence, people are looking at a couple of things. They're looking at character and credibility. You know, do I, do I trust you? Uh, and, and do I like you? You know, do I trust that you're, that you can, will actually do the work and that you can do the work? Do I know that you're capable uh, of doing what you said you, that you're going to do? And do I want to work with you? Do I, do I like working with you? Um, do we have chemistry? And so that's, that's a, I can easily connect with people. My, my voice, this stuff also builds into an idea that we call five voices, which I'm sure we'll touch on at some point in time, but it's easy for me to connect with people. My, my voice is a connector. So I love interacting. I love meeting new people. So building that character and chemistry piece, I'm, I'm naturally good at. It's just a, a tendency, a strength of mine. But the competency and credibility, that's what people are asking. It's like, he has all these ideas, but can he actually do what he says he's going to do? And if I don't do that, then I lose influence. And so, which again, that, that flips for you. People know you're good at, at your job. They know you're good at certain tasks. They know that you're capable and you're competent. But they're asking the question, do I want to work with this guy? Do I like him? Is he going to be a great teammate? And that's where, again, leading out of, out of your offhand to try to be more personable, to try to make sure you're over communicating and not just always being focused on the tasks. I think another one of these things, um, when you go into this, uh, this process of really taking stock of yourself and, and understanding yourself and learning about really how you're wired is, is not to just focus on the negatives. I think that's the natural thing is to, to look at, okay, I'm not good at this. I'm not a good communicator. I'm not a good organizer. I'm not a good... X, Y, and Z. And we obviously all have um, plenty of faults and you can spend a lot of time worrying about those and you have to acknowledge those. You have to be aware of those to, uh, to get where you want to be. But the, also the flip side is very true, you know, of, of identifying those strengths and really building off that. And, you know, a lot of people's um, super successful people is building off one or two really key strengths and, and focusing on that, the way you organize your day, the way you interact, the way you run meetings, the way you communicate you can build off these positive too. So I think, you know, it's, it's very important not to focus just on the things that 
um, jump out as weaknesses or I think it's building on your strengths. Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of people will say, ignore your weaknesses, just focus on, on your strengths. And that's how you win. That's how you build influence. And I think we have to live most of our life out of our, out of our strengths. Steve Cochran, one of the founders of, of Giant, one of, his, one of the tools that he created that we kind of jokingly call Cochran's Law is spend 70 to 80% of your time in your right hand, in your, in your strong hand. Whatever your strengths are, you need to spend more time there. If you're not spending the majority of your time there, you're going to be stressed. You're going to be unproductive. You're going to be, it's, it's not going to be a healthy thing for you or for those around you, whether that's your team or your family, but then spending 20 to 30% of your time in your offhand, because those, those weaknesses are never going to become uh, an actual strength. So for me, again, those details, that structure, logical thinking, a lot of times that's never, I said that on a scale of one to 10, it's probably a two to three for me. It's never going to be an eight or a nine or 10, maybe not even a seven. But if I can learn to spend some time there, currently writing a book right now on this, this idea of culture wins championships, sitting down to focus on writing is really difficult for me. Because I'm like, oh, there's a bird, there's a tweet, there's a TV show, there's a person. And so I, I easily get distracted, but I have to, to block everything out and have focused time to just sit down and write and do the work, not just talk about the idea. But I can't spend all day there or I get really, really stressed. And I've had a, a couple of weeks here recently where I've had a lot of times in, in meetings or traveling, doing a lot of detailed work. And at the end of that day or the next day, I have to go for a run so I can recharge, kind of get that, that, that structure out of me uh, and, and, and release that stress. Otherwise, I'm going to end up taking that out on people around me, my, again, my family or my team. But if I can spend 20 to 30% of my time there, then that, that weakness becomes less of a liability. And so what happens is if you, if you ignore your weaknesses and only focus on your strengths, well, it's, it's those weaknesses that will take you out. That's, that's what will come up behind you and, and, and bite you and, and cause you to completely undermine your influence, whether that's through self-preservation or whatever it may be. But if I can make that, again, go from a two to a five, then I've shored up that weakness to where it's not going to come back and bite me. I, don't want, I can't live all day there, all week there, all month there, all year there, but I can spend enough time there to shore up that, that liability, um, which, again, increases my influence. I think that's a, a really good point when we're tying it back to the sports uh, industry and especially college sports, which is where uh, you know, our focus has been. You can't just focus on your strengths. There's too many hats to wear. There's too many things to deal with on a day-to-day basis. There's too many different kinds of personalities you're going to uh, deal with from, from coaches, administrators, fans, student athletes, um, you know, you name it. It's, uh, it's something really, really difficult to, uh, to just focus on your quote-unquote strengths and your right-hand uh, strengths. So what advice would you give, Kevin? to uh, to people out there who are on the you know college campus or an athletics department who are trying to to take this first step but maybe feel like they have um, you know a lot of distractions a lot of things to do right now I think again whether it's going through our our course on best fit on on giant dot courses or doing you know I'll be happy to do a one hour session with you I think we all want to get better few of us will actually take the time to invest in ourselves to get better. And we always want to make excuses. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough resources. I don't have the support from my team. And I, and th- those are all valid, but I would say you have to ask yourself, am I, is somebody prohibiting me from actually getting better or am I inhibiting myself? Because you can, you can take the time to get better. We've, you know, I've done coaching groups now with, I think 10, 10 different people in college athletics and they're from a variety of, of, program sizes. And so some of them have free time. A lot of them don't because they're wearing 10 different hats. Uh, the whole joke of other duties as a sign, but they decided I'm going to be intentional in, in my professional development and my self development. 
And so that's the piece is if it's, if it's worth it to you to get better, you will find the time, you will make the time. We're not just going to get better again accidentally. We have to have a plan. We have to be intentional. And I think what, what happens is once we know this stuff, and we mentioned this earlier, it's not just knowing it, it's then acting on it. And that acting on it piece is really uncomfortable. To, to act and lead out of your offhand is super uncomfortable. It's going to create awkward situations. People around you may think, well, who's, who's this guy? <laughs> this is not how he acts. or This is not how she usually speaks. That's okay. Because the more they see you doing that, they're going to realize, okay, he's trying to get better. She's trying to get better. She's changing. Um, he's growing. He's developing. He's maturing. He's starting to understand us more. Because what will happen when you, when you do this, A, you'll learn a lot about yourself and you're going to screw up. That's okay. The problem with leadership development is that our practice is in public. If I'm on the basketball team, all of my practice is behind closed doors. So when it comes game time, I already know what to do. If a coach has done their job, they've prepared the team for every possible situation. And that doesn't mean they won't, that they're always going to execute perfectly, but they're at least comfortable in those situations. With leadership, we're practicing live with our team, with our people. And so that can be awkward. So I think we have to be comfortable being uncomfortable because that creates growth. But I think what will also happen is that we'll start to see our team through a different lens. So it's not just know yourself to lead yourself, then it's know your team to lead your team. So if we can start to hear them through their own voice, through their own wiring, and not just through our wiring, then we start to create an actual team where every voice gets heard. We start to create healthy culture, drama decreases, miscommunication decreases. But I think whether you're a quote-unquote leader by title, maybe you're an AD, associate AD, director, whatever your title is, you are a leader. If we're waiting on a title to be a leader, we're waiting too long. I think you touched on something very important, and that's uh, that you're not dependent on anybody else to start this process. I think we'll talk about it at later shows, and I think it's, it's incredibly important to understand the people around you and what, what makes them tick. But the first step, the step that you could take today is understanding yourself better. And I would encourage people to do these uh, personality tests. I'd, I'd encourage people to think critically about it and spend some time on your commute, on your drive home, on your, uh, during your workout, whatever it needs to be to, to think about these things and, and really understand yourself because that doesn't have to wait for anybody else. The other stuff, the other understanding how your team's wired, how your coworkers are wired, how your boss is wired, that requires you know, some other, the, the beauty of this, that you can do this yourself. It's within your own head. It's with, um, you know, you are in control of this and, and that's the beauty of it. So I think that's a really good point in that the time to start developing yourself is now, right? The, the best time to start becoming a leader, to start thinking about your leadership, to start taking that next step is today. And we don't have to wait for permission to get better. Uh, the way we get better is, is by owning that, taking that initiative uh, and, and it, again, it, it can be awkward. It will be awkward, but what will start to happen and we've seen this time and time again is when you can start to see the, the, the broccoli in your own teeth, right? When you can start to identify your weaknesses and you get to work around those instead of other people having to point them out, that changes quite a bit. Uh, when you have that emotional maturity and that, that heightened level of self-awareness, that's a person that people want to be around. And then when they, if they do point some of those things out, now you have that foundational knowledge of, you know what, you're right. And I do, I do do that. Thanks for pointing that out. I need to get better at that. I'll change the next time uh, because you, you're not defensive about those things anymore because now you understand and realize, yeah, I do in fact uh, need to not talk so much, or I do need to get better at the details, or I do need to make sure I'm communicating more. And that becomes less of a defensive thing and more of a, there's, there's a freedom to talk about these things because we know that we need to get better. We can put pride to the side. We can put self-preservation to the side and say, no, that's a good point. Thanks for bringing that up. And it, 
just that level of tension goes down on a team because we all have those issues. We're all, we're all on a level playing field in terms of strengths and weaknesses. We have different strengths and weaknesses, but we all have those things. And so if we can lower that tension and be able to freely talk about those things, then we can actually start to change and start to create a healthy culture. Well, yeah, those are all great points. And I think this is a, is a great conversation and one that will continue. That's the thing. This never, this never ends. This self-reflection, the self-awareness uh, never is a, it's never ending. It's something that we'll continue to, to talk about throughout the podcast. Um, I would encourage you to check out some of Kevin's resources. It's worth your time to get his class, spend an hour with him hearing about how you could uh, improve yourself and, and get better as a leader. And that's, again, what we're hoping to do with this podcast. So that's it for episode one. Again, hit us a note on Twitter. Twitter, uh, Mark underscore Hodgkin and Kevin DeShazo, the Sports Leadership Podcast. Thanks for listening.